on the Listen First podcast. You'll join us as we connect with an array of fascinating guests from varied backgrounds and perspectives to explore how we can build and become leaders that transform their families, workplaces, and communities. Tune in for insight on mastering skills like active listening, verbal and nonverbal communication, understanding behavioral tendencies, and appreciating individuality. Hello and welcome to the Listen First podcast. I'm your host, Adam Salga. So what happens when a journalist who is trained to listen to people takes a class on how to listen? Well, stay tuned to find out. According to the website, A Great Place to Work, a key factor in building positive and productive workplace culture is having trust among the staff. But what builds trust in the workplace? And what does it mean for employees to experience it? Trust can always feel like a squishy word, even as it becomes increasingly recognized as an essential business asset. Being a leader and telling them to trust you doesn't work. You have to build a high-trust culture over time. A great place to work states that it is done by focusing on components such as credibility, respect, fairness, inclusion, and belonging. They say we must listen to our coworkers as much as we share information or request tasks from them. For Christine Mahoney, a former journalist and college professor, building trust with her coworkers at the University of Colorado Boulder started quickly because within her first few weeks on the job, she took the Our Community Lessons course. The openness demonstrated in class built connection and that has been beneficial in an environment that can be very fast-paced. Christine's title is the Public Information Officer and Spokesperson, and when she gets the opportunity to talk about the fantastic men and women at CU Boulder, she is ecstatic. As a journalist of 12 years and someone who naturally loves listening to people share their stories, you might think Christine didn't have much to learn when stepping into the listens class. But as she tells her account, you'll notice there is a difference between listening for content and listening for connection. After our conversation, tune in for a skill snippet with one of the Chapman Foundation facilitators. Christine, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to learn more about you, and to learn about your story and your history with the Chapman Foundation. So let's start at the very beginning. Tell me about your classroom experience. Because if I remember right, when you took the class, you were stepping in as a brand new employee, getting to know your coworkers. Yes, I was a new employee. I think I was the newest CUPD person in the class. And not only was I meeting all of my coworkers and getting to know them, but I was also learning so much about the policing profession and community policing and how we operate on our campus. So the class was incredibly valuable because I really got to know people in a safe space and they were sharing things about themselves and about, you know, how they operate and why they do what they do and what their communication style is and working in policing, you know, it's a profession where things are 
rapidly evolving and changing. And sometimes you're in a stressful situation and you need to know that they've got your back and they need to know that, you know, I have their back. It was really great timing just to get to know everybody and to set the tone for how we could all work together. I was going to say almost like a crash course in getting to know your coworkers, right? (laughs) I mean, it probably accelerated things pretty quickly. Yes. And I remember, you know, in the beginning of the class, we're all kind of looking around going, okay, the instructor said this is a safe place that we can share, but are we really going to? And then, you know, kind of once the first person opened up to share some details of their life, then we all did. And it, it truly was that sort of a great space that we could do that. I'm curious because with your journalism background, you've been trained to listen to people and you've taught people how to listen to people. Tell me what it was like going through the Our Community Listens class, knowing that maybe you have some innate skills and some learned skills all ready to listen. It's some innate skills of being a good listener in a very specific way. And it also meant that I had some pretty bad habits to break because as a journalist, you're trained to listen for sound bites or bits and pieces of information that you can use. And you're really keying in on those almost to the exclusion of all else. So you might be missing some nuances or you might be missing the opportunity to really hear where the person is coming from and to reflect that back. So the class was very interesting because, you know, I've always thought of myself as a good listener, but this taught me how to listen in a different way. You know, not to solve a problem, not to use what the person was saying, but to allow the other person to feel heard and to feel seen and to feel understood. That was different. And I really appreciated that. Awesome. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about it from the journalism perspective that you've got a job to do, right? Right. You know, like a little bit different than when we're listening to someone and maybe they just need us to listen so they feel heard. Yes. And sometimes it's hard to turn off the you've got a job to do part when you're it's so ingrained and you've been doing it for so long. But um, I think that, you know, this was a great skill to learn and I'm still practicing. I think I'll be practicing for the rest of my life. But, you know, it was just a great, a great uh, exposure to something new. When you were in class, did you have any aha moments? You know, those moments where something just clicks and the light bulb flips on? using the homework assignments and going home and interacting with my husband and my son and trying to listen in a different manner and use reflective listening and and say back, this is what I think I heard you say. And, you know, not immediately jump into problem solving mode. I got some strange looks from my family. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? You're not immediately offering solutions. You're just sitting there and listening. So that was kind of an aha moment. Like, you know, they, I told them I was going to be in the class, but I don't think they really understood what it was all about until I started doing the homework. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, it happened so quickly, but within a few days, my son was able to articulate to me, if he saw me jumping into problem solving mode, he could say, mom, I just need you to listen right now. And he was brave and open to to just like starting immediately to interact with me in a different way. And I thought that was pretty cool. And that was a big light bulb moment of, ah, this completely changes the dynamic of how 
I'm communicating with my family at home. So I would imagine this would translate to how I communicate with people at work. And sure enough, it does. It does. Yeah. So we're going to let's keep down the work route because I do, I do want to touch back on something you shared about your family and, and everything, but in the workspace, your police chief, Doreen Jokers, she, she has all of the class take the hour community lessons course. How do you think that has helped the staff and officers at CU Boulder connect with the community and why do you find that valuable? I think it's great that Chief Jokers has everybody from commissioned officers to staff take the class so that we all have the same base level of knowledge because we all interact with our campus community. And it's so important in community policing that we are able to build trust with the community. And it's a different environment than a municipal you know, police agency in a city, this is a campus community of tens of thousands of young people mm-hmm. coming in from all different walks of life, locations around the world, and with different ideas of what the police do and who the police are. And so it's really, really important that we're able to listen and to help the community understand that we are receptive to feedback and that we do take to heart what people say to us and that we are able to, you know, pivot on certain things or make changes or, you know, maybe if it's something that we can't, we are able to communicate why things are the way they are. Um, But it just opens the door uh, to this kind of more inclusive communication with the community that I think everybody has appreciated. And it has honestly led itself to so building relationships in so many different ways, you know, maybe not just sitting in meetings and listening, but understanding that some of our community members want to know more and maybe they want to join us for ride-alongs. Maybe they want to, we had one officer start an international student group cricket game. You know, maybe they want to interact with us just on a human being level. Um, Not necessarily, you know, always in a formal meeting or some kind of situation like that, but, you know, just to understand that we're all people and we all have something valuable to offer each other. And once we know how to hear that, which is what we learned in the class, it's just so much easier to interact with everybody in a more positive way. You mentioned a couple of things in there, and one of them is the visual that I have many times you see viral videos of officers potentially playing basketball, but uh, I've never seen one playing cricket. So that would be kind of, that would be kind of cool to to interact there. And something, and something else you mentioned at the beginning when you started talking was having similar skill sets, everybody being able, let's say all the same tools in the toolbox, right? Everybody's working from the same base knowledge. How do you think that has had an impact on your workplace culture? Sure. And um, I just, I'll, I'll backtrack one little bit. Yeah. It was, um, we have different levels of officers, residential service officers and community safety officials. And it was actually one of our community safety officials who started engaging with the international students in the cricket matches. I'm not a cricket player, so I hope it matches. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'm not mixing that up. But yeah, it, it was so fantastic. And I think that will just live on in perpetuity cool. um, and, and inspire different ways to engage. But to kind of answer your question, 
we do have to rely on each other during emergencies, during critical incidents. You know, and my role is in the communication realm of being able to communicate quickly and accurately during emergencies, as well as during the fun times and right. elevating and you know celebrating our success and our training and making sure the community knows what we're up to. But I think this class and the skills that we learn really come in handy when the chips are down and you know it's the middle of the night, you've been woken up, you need to engage with somebody and really listen and hear what they are saying so that you can accurately convey that information to the public, whether it's, you know, for public safety or awareness. And so the the trust that we developed in the class really helps because then immediately we all have the same skills. It's leveled the playing field. And when you do get those critical calls, everybody knows, okay, this is somebody, I'm, I can tell them everything and they're going to understand, you know, what we need to do with this information. And we just have a level of trust, I think, in each other that simplifies the work in some ways. It makes it so we can operate as efficiently as possible. You said the word in there that I that I was hearing like right before you said it, which was trust, right? Mm -hmm. you, you've, you're able to build trust between each other. And, and I suppose that helps with efficiency like you just mentioned. Definitely, yes. When you know that you can just start from go and you don't have to worry about, you know, well, what is this person going to do? Are they really understanding me? Are they hearing the information? You know, are they going to be using the information correctly? Yeah, we just have this base level of trust and you can just start and it's just assumed that we're going to we're going to be listening and hearing and acting appropriately. Yep. And I would say that trust comes from being able to feel connected, right? Being able to listen to each other when you need to. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So one of those opportunities, I think, came up recently because you shared with me that during a hectic time at the university, you and a colleague that took the course together, found time to reminisce. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that conversation. And I'm curious, uh, did you practice your listening skills and attending behavior on each other? <laughs> <laughs> I hope we did. Um, yeah, we do command posts for large events on the university. So if that would be anything from concerts to football games to other large things that we might be hosting where we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people on our campus. So we had a large concert on campus recently. It was actually a three-day event. So we were in the command post with each hour for many, many hours for three or four days in a row. And yeah. a classmate um, who I'd taken the our community listens class with, we were talking about how comfortable we are with each other. And, you know, you're sitting in, you're basically on alert, you know, listening and watching and waiting in case, at least in my case, in case emergency information needs to be communicated, whether it would be, you know, a critical incident or bad weather rolling in where we might have to do a shelter in place or something like that. So you're, you're kind of in a vigilant state. Mm -hmm. But we were just commenting, you know, how comfortable we were with each other, how relaxed we were, because we have this base level of trust in each other. And we feel comfortable if if I had a question about 
okay, I'm seeing something here, or I'm hearing something from our social media listening community. Um, there was no hesitation for me to bring that up. You know, it was just like, okay, this is something I'm hearing. I know I need to get this in front of someone. I'm never going to worry that they're going to say, oh, that's nothing. Like, oh, thank you for bringing this up to me. Um, it's really important that we're all listening in our different ways and on different channels and that we're able to communicate. So we did kind of have a chuckle about like how comfortable we were doing that and how valuable the class was. And hopefully in that chaotic environment, we were able to attend to each other and really listen. There's so much going on, but I think we did. I really do. Well, it sounds like you enjoyed your time. I hope you got to listen to some of the music maybe in your <laughs> while you were in your vigilant state to to do that. And I'm glad that you know you've got classmates and people around you that you can talk about these communication skills cuz I'm sure you probably found yourself thinking about them a little bit more often after, you know, going through chatting with someone almost like a refresher, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And you know, as every organization, you know, there's always new people coming in. And so we're able to talk to them like, oh, wait until you get to take this class. You know, this is what you're going to learn. Or, oh, hey, you see how comfortable we are with each other and we're interacting in this way. That's because. And then we can go into a little bit of background and then, you know, circle back. We should do some sort of a class reunion. <laughs> what we should do, we should plan something big and fun where we can all get together and recap our skills that would be awesome i, I, <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee it and I, I will wait for my invite and get on a plane <laughs> to colorado you did mention family earlier and in our pre-conversation you know you shared with me that when you took the course your family was going through transitions at that time you were starting a new job your son was going back to school after being away what did you learn that helped your family through these changes yeah, it was a big transitional moment in all of our lives. Yeah, like you said, with me starting a new position, my husband waiting to start a new position after COVID impacts on public school where my son was, you know, basically learning from home for 18 months during high school, which is a really pivotal time yeah. of social development and feeling maybe a little anxious and curious and excited and everything to go back to that. I think that is where I found the most value in the, the listening skills that I was able to develop and go practice at home is that, you know, there was a level of tension and anticipation from both my husband and my son, and I could listen to their concerns. And not necessarily jump right in and solve the problem, but just make them feel heard and allow them to express themselves. Maybe previously, if I would have jumped right into problem solving mode, they wouldn't have been able to fully express what they were feeling or thinking because I was already on to the next step of like, okay, you feel this way. This is what we need to do. Right. Whereas, you know, after learning some of these skills, I could just make sure that they were heard. I could say, oh, I'm hearing this. And and instead of jumping in to say, is there anything that you need help with? Or what are you thinking might be the solution to this? And so that was just a completely different way of interacting. And it came, it couldn't have come at a more perfect time, honestly, yeah. in our lives. So it was just really serendipitous. You mentioned a little bit that you think it might have helped with your son's adulting skills. I'm mm -hmm. guessing because maybe you weren't solving the problem for him, right? 
Yeah. And that's really helpful now because, you know, a couple of years have gone by or almost a couple of years and he'll be going to college in the fall. And so that also was incredibly helpful as he is now, you know, going through a process of, you know, trying to choose a roommate and trying to choose classes and trying to relate to an academic advisor and trying to establish all of these new relationships and kind of having an understanding that, you know, everybody's going through a transitional time, especially when you're about to be a freshman in college and having some empathy, having some compassion. And sometimes I, I mean, I honestly feel that when you exhibit that it is reflected back to you and then it, it improves the experience for everybody. So I think it, you know, it's just, it's something I think will help him, you know, through this next four years of college and really all the way through life, these yeah. adulting skills, you, you can never start too early. And I'm really glad that I was able to be a small part of providing that to him. Awesome. It's great to hear. And I hope he does well wherever he ends up. Thank you. Thank you. So, Christine, as we wrap up today's discussion, I always like to ask our guests for a key takeaway, something that they can either encourage a listener to think about or just something that stands out to them with their experience. I'll open the floor up here. Go for it. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, I think that So many of us compartmentalize our lives where we think we're one person at home, we're a different person at work, you know, maybe we're a different person with our friends, we're a different person when we're by ourselves. And in certain professions, I think that that um, inclination to compartmentalize is even greater, especially in a stressful position like policing or any sort of emergency responder type of position or public safety position, you know, because you need to be vigilant and acting quickly and efficiently at work. And maybe it's hard to go home and let that guard down and be present at home with your family. But what this really brought home to me is that we can utilize the same listening skills in all of the different parts of our lives. And it integrated the parts of me that I was unconsciously or consciously separating out, like I'm going to do this at work versus I'm doing this at home. And it kind of allowed me to integrate these different parts of myself to show up the same in all of the relationships, whether it was a personal relationship or, you know, going out with a friend or engaging with somebody in a stressful situation or even fun situation at work or just being at home. So I really appreciated that. And I really appreciated, you know, the fact that our chief was innovative and exploring options to to help us be our best selves at home and at work. That really hit home to me. I had the pleasure of meeting Chief Jokers when I was in Colorado, and you're absolutely right. That was one of the things that she touched on was giving the opportunity for people to be their best selves at work and at home. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. Christine, I, I hope that you continue to integrate at home, at work, all of these listening skills in your relationships. And thank you so much for being a part of today's conversation. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And... Go Buffs!
I'd like to welcome in Katie Trotter. She is the Senior Director of Content and Coaching for the Chapman Foundation. Katie, thank you so much for joining us to talk about reflective responses as our skill snippet today. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. So, Katie, set the table a little bit. Remind us what a reflective response is. A reflective response is one of the five reflective listening skills that we focus on in our Our Community Listens class. And it really is helpful to think of it as being made up of two parts. When someone is coming to you with a problem or sharing a story with you, you are looking at what they're sharing and trying to identify the facts and the feelings of what it is that they're experiencing. I would say that for many of us, when someone does come to us and we start listening to them, we often jump right to giving advice. And I think that's often because most people just want to help, right? Yeah, for many of us, the idea of doing a reflective response is not a natural state that we ultimately fall into. I would say that maybe our motives for wanting to jump into that problem-solving space can sometimes come from a different motive. Every once in a while, it's because we really do want to help. We want to be seen as being helpful or experienced or an expert in a certain field. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we jump in to offer advice because we feel like we could get people through it faster, right? Sometimes it's an impatience thing. And then other times it can even be because we want to have some control over the outcome. So I think about this, whether it's with a a employee that I have or with my teenage daughter, sometimes I find myself wanting to offer advice because I want to help shape how they move forward, how they see situations or how they choose to behave moving forward. The second one you mentioned in there, helping someone get through there quicker, not to share too much of a personal experience, but that is definitely something that happens often with me and my wife because it takes her a longer time to process than myself, for example. So I, I certainly know that there are times where I'm jumping in and giving, giving answers to questions she's not asking. Yes. <laughs> and so how do we utilize this skill then? What can we do when we're finding ourselves, maybe we've already started to give advice, or maybe we're thinking about it ahead of time. Maybe we're being a little more proactive, meaning that when they sit down and talk to us, we're we're ready to listen. How do we get ourselves in a space where we're ready to build a proper reflective response? I really love, Adam, how you mentioned getting yourself in the right space, because for many of us who are hardwired to want to give advice in the moment, it's going to take a lot of intentionality, especially at first. So for me, I often have to first focus on my attending behaviors, right? I need to make sure there are no distractions around me because I have to be really intentional with with holding whatever advice might be starting to creep up in my mind. So Mm -hmm. that's putting my cell phone away, making sure that I'm turning straight towards whoever's talking with me, making intentional eye contact. And then there's also that troublesome fact of all of the things that are happening in your mind as the other person's talking. Yep. And sometimes it can be helpful for us to think about our mind as a whiteboard. Yep. I love this example. Yeah. And as our person is talking to us or the person is talking to us, our whiteboard starts to fill up sometimes with distractions of other things that we're thinking about. Sometimes it's about, oh, I want to remember to come back to this piece of advice that I have. And anytime we start to catch ourselves filling up that whiteboard with any intention other than just understanding and listening, we want to just wipe that whiteboard clear and then use it to just be trying to capture in our mind, what are they thinking and what are they feeling? Such a good reminder. I also love the idea of wiping that whiteboard clear of anything else that might be outside of the conversation before the conversation really truly starts. 
But I love your reminder of if you're putting things up on that whiteboard that might not be beneficial to your reflective response, well, don't be afraid to wipe those off too, you know? Adam, I think too, when when we talk about the things on your whiteboard that might not be helpful, I think back to those initial examples of why we might have the motive to give advice in the first place. So anything Mm -hmm. that you're filling up on the whiteboard because you want to drive to a certain solution or because you feel like your expertise is really important in that moment, those are the things we want to wipe out. And instead, the items we keep are the ones that will help us to connect and empathize with the person who's sharing with us. So let's say we refrain from immediately giving advice. We form a reflective response that connects with the person. What kind of benefits are we talking about, maybe short-term and long-term, of creating this type of practice? When we can consistently refrain from giving advice and instead use these reflective responses, I think it opens up a whole host of opportunities, both for our relationships and our organizations. And I think about it through this lens of, first of all, you have an opportunity now to fully connect with a person. When people feel truly heard and understood, that goes a really long way in building trust and rapport. So the opportunity for the relationship to be strengthened because a person feels truly understood is incredibly beneficial. Also, if the person who's sharing has a lot of emotion around the problem they have, we find that by listening, it actually allows that emotion level to come a little bit back in balance so that they can access the logical part of their brain to start coming up with their own solution. So Adam, you mentioned that long-term impact. When we create an environment where people get to start creating their own solutions, it goes a really long way in building up empowered people. It builds up empowered kids within our households, empowered team members within our organizations. And it just continues to contribute into this culture where people feel very valued and cared for. I love the idea of empowered kids. And for example, I know I spoke with a a guest on our podcast who talked about their son is adulting now. I love that. He's heading into uh, first years of college. She believes that taking the class has allowed her the opportunity to give him space to create his own solutions because she listens to him differently than she did before. And I think that's that's exactly what you're talking about, that potential empowerment. You also mentioned in there about being a leader and in our organizations, how it can make a difference. Any examples that you could give us to, to expand on that? Oh, Adam, if I reflected back on all of the times in my earlier career where I jumped in to give advice, instead of empowering employees, we could be here a very long time. But I will give you one example that came to me when I was going through the class. And I had had an employee who came to me really upset because they were in charge of a project. And while they were in the middle of a meeting, they had a fellow team member who just kind of jumped in and started running the meeting. So the team member comes into my office and is venting and explaining how are they going to move forward? How are they going to come back from this whole example? And in my mind, there's great advice I can give about how to deliver a confrontation message, what they might want to send out to all of the people who are in the meeting to help level set who is responsible for what. And after taking the class, I realized that in that moment, a reflective response could have looked like. When your team member jumped in and started leading the meeting, it sounds like you really felt undermined. And then to pause, because that allows the team member to understand that I get where they're coming from, or to correct me if that wasn't the right feeling, which is completely fine. 
And then they get to start to identify how do they want to move forward. They're the one who has the relationship with the team member. They're the one who's going to continue working with the group. And that's twofold. That's an immediate solution for them to be able to come up with their own. And long-term, the next time they have an issue with a team member, they're not in this learned helplessness state where they think, I have to go to Katie to get her advice. Instead, they start realizing, I know how to do this. I've done this before. And I can become more of a sounding board as opposed to this person who's supposed to swoop in and save the day. That is a wonderful, wonderful example yeah, and it and it again harkens back to me thinking about uh, connection with my wife and mm. how things could be a little bit different in the way that I respond when she because she's a sharer. Every she she needs to be able to share it to get through it. Yeah. So uh, I need to think more about how I'm responding to to all of those shares. I guess would be one way to put it. That's great, Adam. And I heard someone say the other day that there are some people in the world who don't know what they think and feel until they have a space to say it. Yeah, that could be her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it could be. And, and I, I love that statement. I think that's a really great statement to leave our listeners with. Katie, thank you so much for stepping through this skill snippet on reflective response. Uh, we look forward to more skill snippets from you in the future. Thank you, Adam. 